Listener Production. Counting greenhouse gas emissions, why it's not always the full picture. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. This year's Conference of the Parties, or COP for short, has nearly wrapped up. This is the annual summit where countries come together to talk about reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But when they're back home, how do countries actually report their performance? Today, I talked to Cosmos magazine journalist Ellen Fidian about the process of counting emissions and how some are wildly underreporting what they emit. Okay, Ellen, so today is Thursday, the 17th of November, 2022. We still have two days left of COP27, which is the Global Climate Conference being held in Egypt this year. Give us a quick blow-by-blow of this year's summit. What have been some of the major takeaways so far? So the conference in Egypt this year has been relatively low-key. You've probably heard about the Paris target. So this was set at the Paris Conference of Parties or COP Summit in 2015. Mm -hmm. Last year in Glasgow, COP26, that was another big one because every five years, this is when countries are supposed to get together and update the targets they've set on emissions reductions. So last year they delayed it for a year because of COVID. Egypt this year, it's still important, but it's not going to be one of the biggest. We're not going to be coming out of Egypt with a whole heap of new pledges from a lot of different countries. Okay. That said, there have still been a few interesting highlights. Australia's just joined a global offshore wind alliance, so we're building a bit of wind, but we haven't got any offshore wind online yet, so that's quite exciting. The French president, Emmanuel Macron's called for a change in international finance to better address climate adaptations. And obviously still front and centre at all of these talks is what individual countries are doing to reduce their emissions and how they continue to track their emissions. Yeah, so this is what I want to hone in on today, Ellen, exactly how we count emissions. I want to run through the process and the methods. How do we do that here in Australia? So the way we do it in Australia, it's reflected around the world. There's basically two different approaches. The first one is what's called bottom-up reporting, and then the second is top-down reporting. Let's start with bottom-up reporting. So that involves counting basically all of the things that emit greenhouse gases. So, you know, everything from mining, agriculture, transport, and then calculating how much all of these sources or practices emit, or in some cases absorb, particularly in agriculture. Sure. In Australia, we calculate this based on data coming from a whole heap of different places and sources. Right. So what can you tell us about these sources? Sort of where or who this data is coming from? So we get data from all of the big emitting sectors, the agricultural industry. We look at like the livestock they have, the land they use, the transport industry. So how many cars and planes, etc. are going around. The data is typically coming from the relevant government department. So, for example, the Department for Agriculture submits agricultural information. Yep. There's also demographic data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So simple stuff like how many people there are, obviously, but then also things like who owns a car and where people live and how that will affect the climate. There's also electricity market data, so how much energy and electricity people are using and obviously where that energy is coming from. We also get data from the Bureau of Meteorology, or previously the BOM, on climate summaries, CO2 levels and other gases in certain places, stats from the Department of Environment and Energy, so that's the relevant federal department, 
There's a whole heap of different places we're getting data from, but that's only kind of one part of this reporting. Okay, so that's the data that informs bottom-up reporting. What do we need to know about top-down reporting? Like, what is that? Top-down reporting, instead of starting with the emitters, it looks at the concentrations of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere and then extrapolates back to how much is getting emitted. Okay. So there are a few different ways to do this. The kind of new and interesting one is based on data that's collected by satellites. These are satellites that orbit the planet and check for atmospheric concentrations of carbon dioxide and other gases as well. Mostly they use this technique called spectroscopy, which is basically measuring light and the amount of light absorbed. Different chemicals absorb light differently, so they can draw conclusions about what gases are in the atmosphere from that. The more sort of traditional method of top-down reporting that appears a lot is ground-based sampling of gases in the atmosphere. So that used to be done by weather balloons. You'd send up a weather balloon and it'd track the CO2 in the atmosphere. That's how we've been tracking it at Hawaii for half a century. The really cool thing about satellite data is that they can collect this data on a really global scale and then make conclusions about local places. So it can give us a more comprehensive picture of things that are being emitted. These are the two methods of collecting emissions data. How do these two methods then come together to paint a fuller picture of how much greenhouse gas, say, Australia as a country emits? So at the national level, we've got a thing called Australia's National Greenhouse Gas Inventory, which is an estimate of domestic emissions. And this is kind of what feeds into the uh, United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change data. So that's what we take to the climate summits. At the global level, there's an organization called the Global Carbon Project, which runs a thing called the Global Carbon Budget. So every year they produce an estimate for each country on some of their greenhouse gases, mostly their CO2. Interestingly, This global carbon budget has been questioned at the Egypt COP summit this year. There's been a disparity pointed out between the bottom-up reporting, which is mostly what the budget uses, and the satellite-based top-down monitoring, that it sort of suggests that some companies might actually be under-reporting their emissions. What do we know? I mean, how much are they under-reporting? This group called Climate Trace, it's a big non-profit organisation. They have just launched a global map of emissions estimates from satellite data and they get right down to like source to source emissions as well as whole country emissions. Climate Trace unveiled the most recent data set at COP27 in Egypt. They use this network of 300 satellites as well as some other sensor data and then AI to track emissions at nearly 80,000 sources. And there's a fairly big disparity between what they are reporting and what the global carbon budget has reported. The Global Carbon Project estimated that in 2021, there was 40.2 gigatons of CO2 equivalent emitted globally. Climate traces estimates are more like 56.33 gigatons for 2021. Wow. So that's more than 15 additional billion tonnes of carbon dioxide. And that's not being included in the Global Carbon Project's overall emissions. On top of that, according to Climate Trace, oil and gas mining companies are three times more heavily emitting than they say they are overall. Okay, Ellen, that's a pretty large disparity. How can there be such a disconnect between the two emissions estimates? 
There are a couple of major factors at play here. They're both issues with the bottom-up reporting. For one, because companies can self-report in their bottom-up reporting, this means that there are opportunities for them to slim the numbers a bit. Companies are very incentivized from internal pressure inside their organizations to make their emissions numbers look as low as possible. Ultimately, the higher your emissions, the worse you look and the more expensive it is. Yeah. There are regulations to limit this as much as possible. Australia is quite strict with this. Other countries are not as strict. So in some ways, globally, it's still a sort of fairly loose system. So without more enforcement, this sort of thing is bound to happen. The other main issue with bottom-up reporting is that it's really hard to record methane emissions specifically. So methane is the second most problematic greenhouse gas after carbon dioxide. The global carbon budget doesn't actually include methane emissions in its counting. They do methane separately from this budget. Their summary isn't as comprehensive. This is because from the ground, methane emissions are much harder to monitor. A lot of methane emissions come from leaks, from mines. They can also come from natural sources like bogs. It's also quite difficult to track where that methane is coming from sometimes. So compared to, say, carbon dioxide, where you say, like, we've purchased five tonnes of coal, we've burnt it all for electricity, that's put this much CO2 into the atmosphere, it's not as easy to track how much methane is coming from which sources. That said, top-down reporting isn't perfect either. It's got its own issues. Okay, what are some of the issues with top-down reporting? Because satellite reporting mostly uses spectroscopy, which is dependent on light, a lot of satellite data needs clear skies. It needs it to be daytime. It's also a relatively new technology. Researchers can't guarantee with 100% certainty that they are tracking what they say they are. Other climate tracking methods like atmospheric sampling, so like the weather balloons they've been sending up for half a century, that atmospheric sampling's got decades of peer review behind it. These satellites don't have that yet. But satellites, even with their issues, they're rapidly advancing technology. So they are really adding to the knowledge here of what's going on. And it's worth pointing out, it's a lot easier to track methane emissions through satellite data than it is to track carbon dioxide through satellite data. So they're kind of stepping in where some of that bottom-up reporting is much harder to do. So Ellen, we've covered that bottom-up reporting can be flawed and companies aren't always forced to be super accurate about their emissions and that satellite data or top-down reporting is still quite new and isn't really perfect either. How can we ensure the data we collect about emissions is as accurate as possible? In general, good science is verifiable. If you can verify your information from a completely independent source of data, that strengthens the information so much more. I think the advantage of having something like Climate Trace around is it's giving us a completely independent data set to compare against the global carbon budget. One's not necessarily more right or wrong than the other, but we've got two sources of information that we can learn from. It's also hopefully going to lead to a bit more transparency in the underreporting and self-reporting from different companies. 
I also think it's interesting you can hop straight on the Climate Trace website just as a citizen and look at their huge world map and see all of their 80,000 sources of emissions so you can kind of zoom into where you live and see what's emitting there. It's a cool way for like you as just kind of Jane citizen to take a look at what Climate Trace says is a major emissions source. Ellen Fidian is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Ellen's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. Also, if you're a fan of the show, don't forget to subscribe. You can download the Listener app to listen for free or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search The Science Briefing and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time.